Hello, everyone. Welcome into another special edition of the Sports Plus Podcast, another All-Olympic edition, in fact. I am Corey Miller, here with our Olympic five-on-your-side guru, Casey <laughs> Nolan, at the Olympic desk every night that you've been watching. Thank you. I paid him to say that. <laughs> we've got just a few days left in the game, so we thought we'd hop on, break down what we've seen so far. First off, we got a lot of local folks to check in and in on in Tokyo, and to be honest, it probably has not gone as well as we would have hoped yeah. for our local St. Louis area athletes. Let's start. We'll talk about Becky Sauerbrunn and the U.S. Women's National Team Soccer. Upset semifinals by Canada, one to nothing on Monday. Don't get a play for gold. First loss to Canada since 2001, Casey. Yeah, and let me just add a little uh, light at the end of the tunnel for this whole conversation. Maybe I think we... we we, while this may not be what a lot of these athletes and the fans back here in St. Louis were hoping for, I think the future is still bright for Olympic athletes in St. Louis. I'll say, I can, is that fair? I think that's fair. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll leave that as a tease to kind of uh, tell folks, you know, why it might be worth, uh, you know, sticking on with us here. But yeah, I feel bad for Becky. I saw her post-match interview and she said it hurts. You know, they are going to try to forget it for now, I think is something to the effect of what she said, meaning they've got business to take care of. That bronze is still, it still means a lot, obviously. Um, but you could tell this stung and it, they've set a standard for themselves. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's the top or nothing is the only thing that satisfies. I think what's really interesting with the women's soccer team, I think we're going to see a completely different team the next Summer Olympics, because a lot of these people have been playing on this team for a while and yeah. getting old, like Becky. How old is she? Well, I met Becky in 2012 yeah. when she was coming up and she was on the team. Um, she was, uh, you know, pretty new then. That was kind of during the Hope Solo prime mm-hmm. days. Um, and got to see them, name drop, uh, event drop, got to see them beat Canada in a very same situation um, but you're right. So she's been around for a while. There are a couple, uh, you know, Rapino has been was, there for a while. Alex that. Morgan is not a all, young player anymore. No, all of them were on the team then in 2012, yeah. if not before. So yeah, I think you're right. I, I'm not concerned about women's soccer in the United States though, because they uh, they know what they're doing to to stay back on top. It's gonna it's gonna be rough to only play for for bronze this time for sure, but. Uh, we we know that program. Well, and how many other teams can say they've had the success that this team has had over the last 10 years between World Cup and Olympics? So another event, hammer throw. That mm-hmm. was supposed to be the St. Louis highlight of the games from yeah. my point of view. We yeah. had two local athletes of a 12-woman field in the finals, Deanna Price, Gwen Berry, Tuesday morning. You know, it's it was impressive for them to both get there to the finals because that wasn't always guaranteed. But it did not end like they had thought. Deanna finished eighth. Gwen Berry finished eleventh. Poland, who I, I'm a, you're a, you know more about hammer throw than me. They've got a juggernaut, yeah. uh, who won her third gold. I'm gonna attempt to pronounce her name. Let's try it. Anita Woldarich. I think so. I mean, that's yeah. close enough. I think with third. all with all respect, that's the best we can do, and and she certainly deserves it. I think if you, again, if you want to think about the future, so she won last time, right, in Rio, and she won again. Um, she's almost 10 years older than Deanna and Gwen. And this is a sport where you can play, you can peak in your thirties. Um, so they've got 2024 is very much in the reach of both Gwen and Deanna. You know, Gwen, I think has the sixth farthest throw in the sports history for the women. Deanna, uh, ha- you know, has all kinds of records herself and actually, uh, won the world championship. You know, she was actually ranked number one coming in. 
you and I have been talking about this uh, the past couple of days that we knew she was hurt because she has said as much that something she'd been de- dealing with for a while. Her husband, JC, Coach Lambert, is also her, her coach, her coach and husband. He was there in Tokyo with her, which was special because obviously the families can't be there. He just posted on Instagram uh, that, you know, as some of you know, most of you don't, but Deanna has been dealing with not one but two injuries uh, one they've been fighting with for two years, another one popped up right around the time of the trials. He, he said it was just horrible timing because she was not able to train for about three of the five weeks going into the Olympics and that they weren't even sure she was going to compete in the finals. The pain was so bad. Oh, man. So, you know, he talks about uh, how proud he is of her for finding a way to persevere through the physical pain that she was in. You, you know, there's so much torque. This is where the one where the, the, the hammer is actually looks like a shot put ball and it's on the end of a, a, a metal, uh, you know, rope, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, and they, they swing. So think about that torque that is in that they're generating there. Uh, you know, so I can't imagine what that does to your, to your ability to propel the ball. If you've got something that's causing you that much pain that you might not even compete, but so she, uh, so Gwen is from Florissant, uh, and Deanna from Moscow Mills, Lincoln County. Um, I, we were at a watch party for Gwen's family earlier today. And then I talked to her, uh, Deanna's mom on text and they're just, they're, of course they're sad for her because they can see the pain that you, even in the video, if you watch back, you can see her tearing up and I, you got to wonder, was that emotion was that physical pain? Was yeah. it both? She looked like she was limping a little bit, but they are so proud of her. And I think we all are that these, this is a sport before Rio, uh, kind of an obscure sport, but it's a blast to watch. It has that kind of pure track and field, a uh, feel to it for me anyway, a real, uh, just a, an amazing throwing event. But before 2016, before Rio, no American woman had even made it to the finals. And now we have two who have done it twice and then there was another American along with mm-hmm. them in, in yeah. this in this finals. So I think the future is bright. Again, Deanna has she's her best is eighty meters plus. If she'd have thrown that, she'd have won the gold. So we know she has it in her. Uh, Gwen as well. I think their future is bright. They're only going to get stronger. Only going to get better with their technique. Hopefully, hopefully we get to see both of them in uh, in Paris in just a couple of years. Like you pointed out, right around the corner, it's going to be even closer just, than we thought. Just three years away. Yep. I'll plug my story. Uh, we'll put it on KSDK.com to real quick side note. Deanna, her origin story, if you will, as a hammer thrower, starts in this guy's front yard out in Lincoln County where he's kind of a renaissance man himself, um, self-taught track coach who found her through his kids when they were in school together her freshman year and thought she had some talent, taught her how to throw the hammer. And it's an incredible story. I I think his story is incredible too and what he's done for her. And uh, Gwen actually threw out there in his little homemade throwing rink as well. So Looking forward to that one. Uh, Another tandem we've been watching, uh, Jason Tatum and Nafisa Collier in basketball, uh, still alive in the medal hunt. Uh, Tatum and the men got a big win over Spain on Monday night in their quarterfinals. Uh, Tatum, he's been one of their best players all tournament long. It's hard to watch these games. They're really late, really, really late if you want to watch them live. A lot of them are on Peacock. Uh, Tatum had 13 points in, in in their last game. Kevin Durant broke the all-time uh, t- USA uh, scoring record for the Olympics, and like right after he said, well, you better watch out. This kid's going to pass me eventually. So uh, Tatum getting some rave reviews. Collier hasn't played all that much. And the women haven't been blowing people out as they're accustomed to. 
but they're still on the medal path. They got Australia in a quarterfinal on Tuesday night. So I think uh, two of our best bets remaining. Well, two. Of, we don't have that many bets left, but yeah. <laughs> uh, the, these two, I think, are, are if you wanted to put some money. Well, I'm not going to give you betting advice, but if, <laughs> if, I, if I was a gambling man, Tatum and Collier, I think, look pretty good to come home with at least a medal, probably gold. I think USA Basketball is going to figure it out here. I think so, too. And remember, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jason Tatum's coming off the bench in a lot of these situations, and, yeah. and, and he's a, a key contributor uh, in that role as well. Um, yeah, was it? Was it you, Corey? If it wasn't, I'll credit you with this analysis that the dream team of, you know, Bird, Johnson, Jordan back in the day maybe is what makes it so hard for the U.S. to win now in that it was just so popular. It it transformed the sports popularity around the world. And no longer can the U.S. team just kind of show up and go through the motions. They've got uh, international teams that have been uh, dreaming of gold and, and, and the sport is growing in popularity around the world. Oh yeah. One of the few professional sports leagues that is actually expanding its fan base. Yes, definitely. Uh, There's, I mean, it's not just the U S and everybody else anymore. Spain gave them a really good run. Um, not Serbia. Um, oh my gosh, I can't think, uh, Luka Doncic who plays for the Dallas Mavericks. Oh my gosh, I can't think of what country he plays for now. But they've just been tearing through everybody, and he's been going off. It's not Serbia. Uh, oh my gosh, we're gonna have Casey do a quick search Wait. because I, I feel ridiculous <laughs> that I can't think of this right I now. Should, I'm terrible. But uh, he's just a one-man wrecking crew, and could end up winning a game. Uh, you've got the Australians who are are really good and have a lot of NBA players as well. So yeah, it it is. Uh, it's not as easy as it used to be for the United States in basketball because. Hey, the sport's caught on everywhere, and everybody's pretty good right now. And 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 when can we get an NBA team in St. Louis? Given all the talent coming oh, out of man. St. Louis, you know what? I I try not to ask Frank about that because <laughs> Frank will get real real excited about that. We got to find somebody with a whole lot of money first. Yes. So that's the first thing to take <laughs> care of. So where's Doncic? Slovenia. That's where Doncic is from. Luka Doncic is from Slovenia, and Slovenia. I don't think most people could even point out on a map, but. They're running through the basketball tournament right now, thanks to him. So, yeah, yeah basketball not going to be a cakewalk, but we feel pretty good about those two. Uh, we also feel good about Michelle Barch-Hackley from Collinsville uh, with the Team USA volleyball team still playing. They got a big quarterfinal matchup on Tuesday night against the Dominican Republic. They do have some injury troubles I was reading about. Uh, I think one of them is Michelle uh, Barch-Hackley's fellow University of Illinois. Um, uh, I don't think they played together. It might have been close. Uh, Poulter is hurt. There might be an injury there. She's the setter for them. So the injuries could make it tough. I'm not a huge volleyball analysis guy, so I don't want to go too deep into this and sound silly. But uh, the USA came in very heavy favorites in volleyball. So even with, I, th I think, a few injuries, they should still be able to tough it out. Um, I'll, I, I'm not going to proclaim too much uh, deep knowledge either, except to say that they are playing on Channel 5 yeah. live. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of that when it comes to local folks, as you were pointing out uh, earlier. So that that's exciting. I think it's and it's a sport that people know enough about that um, you can get into it. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if, it, if you might not follow the team closely, it's exciting to have somebody local. And anybody who has ever tried to play a little volleyball in the backyard knows when I'm, things are going well. I'm going to sound like a goober, but I can't believe how hard they hit 
the ball. It's nuts. <laughs> Every once in a while, I hit somebody in the head, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's a concussion. That's got to be a concussion. Like it's the, the next sport that needs concussion and pro, uh, protocol. Volleyball. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on. Those are the people who are, are still going or just maybe finished up. Uh, another guy who just finished up, Tyler Downs. Disappointing Olympics for the teenager. Didn't qualify in the three-meter diving. Uh, he'll have plenty more shots at the Olympics, though. This kid is so young. Most people didn't think he was even going to make the games this year. So just got to be a, a great experience for him to get over there, see what it's all about, see the competition he's going to have to go up against. And we're going to be hearing about him for a long time. I got to imagine that's an incredibly valuable learning experience. Like you said, given his age, given his potential, the nerves, the just the logistics of how to get around and, and all of that kind of stuff and how to how to block out all the distractions – invaluable experience for what we hope is a very long and successful career for Tyler. Definitely. Uh, we'll give a shout out to a couple people that are not technically our area, but it's Missouri. So we'll give them a shout out. Okay. Uh, and this is the only guy from Missouri that has won a medal so far. Uh, Casey area pole vaulter, Chris Nielsen won silver in the pole vault and another Casey area guy, Casey Lightfoot, I think he finished fourth or fifth, I believe. So he had a nice showing as well. So Missouri at least getting a cup, uh, uh, at least one medal on the board here for everybody to be proud of. So shout out, shout out to the pole vaulters from pole, Kansas City. Pole vaulting City. has been uh, kind of dramatic this uh, time around in Tokyo. You know, there, if you recall, there was the uh, the favorite going in uh, who got COVID and DQ. He was famous for. Um, I believe it was in Rio when he was on an attempt and the Star Spangled Banner came on for another event. He stopped, dropped his pole, stood at attention for the national anthem, and I'm blanking on his name now. But then uh, this is the podcast with a few facts missing. <laughs> um, so, but, but if you have that image in your head, he was the favorite going in and then got, you know, either for whatever reason, whether he had symptoms or not, got the COVID test and had, and, and had to miss event which is just heartbreaking in and of itself i can't imagine that to be so close and to be a favorite but then the crazy story uh, out of the cleveland area the alternate for the u.s it was still back stateside they gave him a call he had 36 hours or so to pack get on a plane make that what i'm guessing is about a 14 hour flight uh over to tokyo he didn't even have a uniform until an hour before he stepped on the track uh, and then his story kind of ended there. He didn't. He didn't move on. And our <laughs> our, our local man, uh, Chris from KC, did. But nevertheless, just a lot of a lot of drama. In yeah, football. that's a fun. St Imagine getting that call. Oh, hey, you're in the Olympics. Yeah. Get over here. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, let's talk about some some big stories overall to wrap up this podcast. And the biggest story, bar none, is mm. Simone Biles in Tokyo and everything that's happened with her. And I only really have one thing to say about it is nobody can even fathom what it's like to no. be Simone Biles. And that's pretty much all there is to it. Obviously, she decided to take herself out of the competition for the team event. And then from there, uh, decided not to compete in multiple, multiple uh, uh, individual events. Mm -hmm. She did do the balance beam on, that was just today, that was Tuesday morning, I right. believe. And mm -hmm. she got a bronze medal there. So it, it's... It's it's been disappointing and also kind of there's been two sides. It's been disappointing to read some of the things and it's been uplifting to see mm -hmm. how how people have kind of rallied around her at the same time. But uh, one thing's for sure, there's no shortage of opinions about it. No, you know something. Have you seen the the video going around social media that compares Olympic gymnastics in the early '70s to Olympic gymnastics 
uh, today, and it shows Simone in Rio. And the, the, the way this sport has transformed and evolved, I think what I've learned this time around is when you, when you look back, it's like, well, yeah, but I don't know that we were talking about the level of danger involved in what they're doing. So if you do, if you lose your place in the air in the, at the level they're at now, and then consider Simone's at another level than even the rest of the best of the world, and the, you know, she could really hurt herself. But then what we also figured out uh, was that not only could she hurt herself, but she could hurt the team if she didn't do well in that team competition. And so you're right. There are no shortages of opinions by those of us who have, we, can, we don't have waste can basketball uh, yeah. skills. Uh, but um, I think, I think what she did was incredibly brave considering We've, we've heard some brave stories from the likes of Michael Phelps and others who yeah. have talked about what they've been through. The difference being they came out with help after their competition. She sacrificed what was her potential glory, her potential sponsorship, her poten- you know, all the fights we're talking about that she was willing to take on. Um, added, you know, she, she, she put it on the line when, something, when, she, has, when she has something yeah. to lose. Um, so anyway, I, I, to me, it's, it's been a fascinating story of strength in a way that we, in our culture, we don't really usually measure yeah. strength. So good point. I can't imagine being up the, the, the twisties as they, they've been yeah. saying, uh, when you're just, your brain doesn't really mm-hmm. mesh with the physical performance and you could seriously injure yourself. Yep. That just sounds terrifying. It does. I mean, we think about there's the zone when you don't really know how you're doing it so well. And then there are the yips yeah. or the twisties when you don't really know how to fix it and get it back to just normal. And that, that's who knows the human brain is the amazing thing, but uh, kudos for to her for powering through in two different ways. On one hand, she did the hard thing to step aside in the team competition. And she also continued to fight and to try to get herself to where she could compete for the, for the beam. Gymnastics still obviously did very well. There's no shortage of talent there. Suni Lee with the, the gold knee all around. The, the team still won silver. They've had a lot of other individual medals. So And we're I'm, on a pretty good streak of uh, individual all around. I think it was five in a row now yeah. of American women winning the individual all around. That's pretty dominant. Uh, we got to get to what might be my favorite moment of the Olympics so far, which happened on Monday night, the men's 400-meter hurdles, yeah. which even casual – uh, viewers and folks are talking about today because it was just so record-breaking. Uh, Norway's Karsten Warholm broke the world record, his own world record, uh, 45.95 seconds. He beat his record by .75 seconds. So that's that's pretty big when you're mm-hmm. talking track. Uh, U.S., I think, is it Rye or Ray? Yeah, Rye. Well, again, the podcast <laughs> without any facts. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff to watch. I'll give us a break. I think it's Rye. But we'll, we'll be... Benjamin had a uh, 46.17. That also would have been a world record yeah. from the previous one. And these guys were running... Faster on 400 meter hurdles than normal people run the 400 a lot of, well, in Olympic races. I think I, I checked out the stats. I think everyone who made it through the finals uh, got under their time, but just barely. Yeah. Usually, when you look at the, the splits between a 400 and a 400 hurdle, there the hurdles are at least two to three, maybe four seconds slower. I, listen, next time you drive by a high school track, just pull over. Take a couple uh, jogs for stretching, <laughs> and then see how fast you can run around the track. I, I'm going to say most of us can't do it in under two minutes. And not only, like you said, are they doing it uh, in what is mind blowing time for a 45 uh, for a for a single lap around the track? They're doing it over the hurdles. They're 
it's it's brutal. I don't know how they survive. Uh, that guy's celebration. He rips his shirt open at the end and just looks up at the time. And I can't imagine coming in second here with a world record. Yes, with with, with what would have what would have been a world record, and yeah. you come in second and win a silver medal. That's that's pretty rough. I, I don't know if you saw any of the other track. They were running in like downpours. Yes. Did you? See, that seemed completely unsafe. I can't believe they were still running. Well, weather's been a pretty big story throughout. You know, I saw some saying that Tokyo had lied in their submission about the weather. I don't know how you li- I mean, maybe you can, but, like, you can Google what yeah, is you Tokyo. Know what the- you know what the weather's going to be. But they did seem to undersell the summer in Tokyo in when we saw excerpts pulled from their packet, their submission packet for the Olympics, um, because it's been hot. And humid, yeah. a la St. Louis, yeah. And they had a typhoon, but you know what are you going to do? It's a, you know, it's a coastal town, but yeah, um, yeah. The weather has been a factor for sure. There and was I, a woman that went down on the hurdles in the mm. rain, and I just thought, oh my god, I can't believe there's only one person that's fallen here. Right, right, yeah. It, it looked pretty rough, but yep. kudos to those athletes. Uh, we're going to keep talking about the water a little bit, uh, swimming, which is wrapped up, and is always one of my favorite things to watch. Caleb Dressel, five gold medals in Tokyo. Uh, he was the big name coming in, and mm-hmm. he really showed up. I think we could be seeing a Phelps-like rise here. This was a guy, when he swam at the University of Florida, I used to work at the Mizzou Rec Center mm-hmm. on campus, mm-hmm. and that's where the swimming team competed. Yeah, it's this an amazing guy, pool. This guy, I think he broke, I don't know which specific world record, but in mm-hmm. college he broke a world record at, the Mizzou? at, at Mizzou's facility wow. Like while I was working there. I'm wow. like, I'm going to remember that name. Yep. And now here he is just completely dominating everybody in Tokyo. It's incredible. And again, this... Because of Simone Biles, perhaps we're talking more about the things that athletes are going through. We see it with Deanna with injuries and and other things. But you know, he's he broke down too, saying he makes it look easy in the pool, but they are under a tremendous amount of strain, physically and mentally and otherwise. Um, yeah, it, he so okay. So well, he said he's had a terrible time there, yeah. pretty much because it's just been like isolated and yes. and, and you could tell after I don't remember which one he. A couple of times when he won, they put him interviewing him. They bring his family up, and he started yeah, yeah. crying. And like that's been the best part of. Well, you don't want it to be that way, but with right, every right. as best as best as you can do, showing the families with the athletes right after they win something. Yeah. His especially was yeah. was emotional to watch. So you could tell he was having a rough time. Yeah, and you're right about the the Phelps comparison. The the one difference being, think how young Michael Phelps was when he started winning medals. Yeah. that's the big difference. Did there. you ever get to interview Phelps? I did. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. How'd that go? <clears throat> well, I think I think back to. That stress, he was not as gregarious as he is on the broadcast now. It's, he seems at, like he's having more fun. Of course, he was training, and and I, I met him in 2012 when he was kind of in the middle of his stardom uh, to where maybe it was kind of getting to be not as much fun for him. We got, we, I, we got to go shoot a, a training session of his, which was insane. That's cool. He's so long and lanky, but then can do pull-ups for days. Really? It's just incredible. I don't He's He's a, he's a freak. Um, <laughs> but so, I, you know, I have enjoyed him in this broadcast because, I mean, just to be frank, he's never going to hear this. I thought he was kind of a dud as an interview. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, now, of course, what he didn't know me from Adam. What does he care? What, you know, maybe he's not giving it his all. Yeah. And, and, and it was part of a junket. So he might have been just tired of talking to people at the time. But, um, yeah, it, it, I, 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 he certainly wasn't a dud when it came to seeing him train. He was on another planet. Yeah. I, I, I saw him up close once. He was, I was out at Sunday at the PGA Championship yeah. in St. Yeah. Louis. He's really good friends with Justin Thomas. Okay. So he was out there. Well, we're watching the golfers come by. Oh, yeah, golfer. 
that's Michael Phelps. Yeah. He's following around Justin Thomas out of Belle Reve, like, oh, my God, like the greatest athlete that ever lived is just out here walking around the golf course. So that's my Michael Phelps story. Uh, Last thing, it's not on a rundown, so I'm going to spring it on you. Uh, At the beginning, when it was you, Rennie, and I on on our podcast, we talked about kind of off-the-wall stuff we liked watching. Uh, Now that we're like halfway through and you've seen some of that again, Mm. what's what's something that really caught your attention? I'll tell you, while you think about Mm -hmm. it for a second, I had – Recording this on Tuesday. This morning, I watched the rock climbing. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is the first year at the Olympics. And that was pretty cool. I didn't totally understand the scoring or how people won. Right. Uh, but there was like a speed component and then two other components. The speed component is insane. Which I had never seen before. I didn't realize until Tokyo that this was a thing. I just I was clueless. <laughs> I didn't know it was. Co- I mean, I'm not surprised it's competitive because you can compete mm-hmm. in anything. Yeah. I thought this was just more of a leisurely, mm-hmm. oh, I go rock climbing. Right. But, yeah, they got guys racing against each other. And uh, that's been fun to watch along with canoe slalom which I really wish I would have done when I was younger because I think I could have been pretty good and, okay. and got really niche at this and ended up in the Olympics, but that's just me. Hey, it's not too late. <laughs> we, I, I, I sense a uh, uh, Procter & Gamble, uh, Gamble commercial in your name someday that you, well, you started. At the, I got it all planned out. I'm going to find out how to get dual sh- citizenship in some country that oh, doesn't have a lot of these mm-hmm. athletes yep. and then find one of these niche sports. There, and, yeah, really there, are, there are international Olympic standards. Just I don't want to burst, burst your <laughs> bubble, but you do have to. You can't just go to Guadalajara. Uh, and, Dang. And, yeah. Oh, that was my country, too. Um, no, and, and I, so I'll say I, I was intrigued by skateboarding, but like you in rock climbing, I don't know how they're scoring it, so I need to learn more to fully enjoy it. I've enjoyed handball. Yeah. I think I probably picked it up because, uh, as Mike Bush did a report on, uh, Matt Weiner was calling the game, some of the games. That was kind of fun to hear his voice. Um, th- I'm water polo, which is not new, but I've enjoyed it. We have some good American I'm just teams. in awe of, of the water polo players. Mm-hmm. That seems like the hardest thing mm-hmm. to just, and they're just casually good at it. It's get, get past the part where you have to tread water yeah. for an hour or whatever. And also how hard they throw that too. Yes. Yeah. Water polo is really impressive. No, it's very physical. It's incredible. Yeah. I, but I've, I've really, uh, what I think I've enjoyed is, you know, it may not be what TV executives like when it comes to ratings being in a, in a time zone where everything's ahead of you and the, the availability of online streaming, but I've enjoyed that. I, I've used YouTube TV and the Peacock here at the station to really sample so much. And I've, I've found that fascinating, especially you get some of these feeds don't even have commercials and you feel like you're kind of there. Yeah. You hear the sounds of the stadium and track and field, but I've watched, I've watched a little bit of the shooting. I've watched uh, some handball, like we said, I've obviously hammer throw. Um, but yeah, I've, I've enjoyed the variety of this Olympics. It's I'm all, I'm on board. Give me more sports. Yeah. Give me bowling. Give yeah. me, Give me guys throwing darts or something. Yeah. Give me. I wish. I wish bags would catch on yeah. across the world so we could get uh, some some bags in the Olympics. Although I think we're the only country that probably plays that right now. So. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> I say that as someone who enjoys playing bags, but hey, shocking that sponsored we're... Mike Bush. Don't get Mike Bush started on bags on TV. He'll go <laughs> off on how it's on ESPN and they're sponsored, and he can't believe it. <laughs> he gets on a roll. But I'm with you. There's something to be said for just, especially because. Because some of these sports are hugely popular in other countries, especially when you get to the Winter Olympics. Some of these, uh, the uh, like the biathlon, the yeah. sh- th- those 
those folks are rock stars mm -hmm. in the Nordic countries. So it's fun to see what other ways humans test themselves around the world. I think it's, it's cool. That's a good way to put it. And we will end on that. Thanks for tuning in to the Sports Plus podcast. Be sure to download and subscribe, as well as rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great week watching what's left of the Olympics and rooting on our local athletes. 